0: So with that, let's all stand up to our feet right now. We're going to get ready to dive into your word. If you don't know me, my name is Josh alongside my wife, Joanna. We have the privilege of pastoring Lighthouse Church in North County, this church right here. And we believe, and we are completely biased, but we believe this is the greatest church on the planet. How many of you glad to be a part of Lighthouse Church here in North County? Again, I'm really biased, but there's no better place I'd rather be right now. We're going to continue on in this series that we are on called Deeper. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. and read a couple of verses to you. Then we're going to pray, get into the Word, and see what God would speak to us today. It reads as follows. And this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. He wrote them a letter, and he said to them, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy that person. Hello. That's like every now and then you get some real strong counsel, right? We all know that God has so loved the world, but he also says, don't mess with my body. How many know that God is fiercely protective of his church? Because the Bible says it's my bride. And like any good husband, he stands up for his bride. So you can make fun of a lot of things, but don't make fun of his church because that's his bride. And so Paul says here, if anyone destroys God's temple, I would say in the modern translation, we might say if anyone destroys God's church, okay, God will destroy that person for God's temple. God's church is sacred and you together are that temple and you together are. Are that church For just a few moments, can we pray together? Would you just put your Bibles down, phones down, and let's take a moment and pray that God would speak to us through his word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you have already done in this place. I thank you, God, for the worship that went forward. It was just so powerful, and we felt you, God, and indeed, you are here. And now, God, because you are here, we open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word today. Pray, Father, that you speak to us out of the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands and you may be seated. Just um, have you ever heard some advice that you kind of thought, man, that's great advice, but that doesn't work for me right now. Have you ever heard any type of that advice? I was listening to one of my favorite pastors on a podcast earlier this week, and he was talking about prayer and then he went into his morning prayer routine. And when he started talking about his morning routine, you know, I'm leaning in, you know, because I want to know what's your process. How how do do you approach God every morning? And he starts talking about the best way that you wake up with a cup of coffee. Let me get a good amen on that. If you're a tea drinker, we're we're praying for you. So Yeah, My God. Anyway, he talks about, you know, I get my cup of coffee and I go to the couch and I light a candle and I get into prayer and then I get into devotion and I get into worship and all of these things. And he goes, and typically I start at 6 a.m. and I go until 7 a.m. and that's when I was like, you know, everything comes to a screech. I'm like, well, hold up. You must not have any kids, do you? And sure enough, you know, he starts talking about how his family makeup, all the kids are out of the house and he's an empty nester. So I thought, man, if I had from six to seven a.m. and if I didn't have kids, I could totally do that. But I thought, in my season of life right now, there's no way that I can put that much time into my morning devotion and still get out the door on time. Because let me tell you about my kids, and, and I don't know how it is for your kids, but I'm just tell you about my kids, all right? And so when we brought our kids back to school after the winter break, how many you know that first week back is just horrible? I mean, it's like, you're like, it's time to wake up and they don't want to wake up because it's so cold in the mornings and and the blankets are warm. And I'm like pulling back the blankets and I'm like fighting with my kids and I'm like, you got to get out the door. Come on, let's go. Is that just the Herrera household or does anyone else have to deal with that, especially that first week back? There's something demonic about that first week back after Christmas break. It's just not right, you know? And so that's my morning. So when I hear about his morning, I'm like, well, lucky for you, your kids are like grown and gone. And and, and my mornings look nothing like that. And I don't know what it is about kids. And again, I'm just talking about my kids. But but all week, I'm fighting with them to get out the door. And they don't want to get up in the morning. It's like 7 o'clock. And I'm like, come on, we got to go. And they're just like, just don't want to get up. But then why is it on the very first Saturday, these little devils are up at 6 (laughs) a.m.? I'm trying to sleep in, you know, I've had lack of sleep all week long and they're yelling and fighting and screaming. And I'm like, this ain't right. Anyway, anyway, all that to say, I'm listening to my favorite pastor. And while he's talking about his morning with Jesus, I'm like, I have exorcisms in the morning. How is it you get to be with Jesus? And I'm over here casting now the devil of lethargy and sleep. But anyway, all, all that to say is, I heard some of that advice, and I'm like, man, that'll never work in my season. But, but there's some principles there that I know that I can lean in on. There's some truth there that I know I can lean in on, and I can bring that into my life. And though it may not be exact, there's some things that I can do. Now, now, I say all that because today I'm going to talk to you about a conversation, and, and we're going to have this discussion, and, and I'm going to give you my sermon title in a moment, but but I don't want you to look at me and say, Pastor Josh, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do that. There's there's no way I can live through that in this season of life that I'm in right now. Good for you, Pastor Josh, but that doesn't work for me. So so if you lean in, I think you're going to really get some truth. You're really going to get some principles that you can take and, and, and in into your life while we're talking about going deeper in January. So so in this text, let me get to the text and talk about this in this text right here in in the book of First Corinthians. And and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but um, last year, before everything shut down in 2020, not even last year, two years ago, when, when 2020 was shutting down, I started a series called Hot mess. And I was going to pre- take us all through the book of first Corinthians. And then I put it on pause because of COVID. And I felt we had to talk about different messages. And, and so we didn't finish that, but we're going to get back to that. But, but in first Corinthians and these letters that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, what he's talking about there is there was a lot of division in the church. What happened was the believers in Corinth, they started fangirling after their favorite pastor. It was like and you see it there. He says, some of you say I roll with Apollos and others of you say I roll with Paul. And because of that, there was like these divisions in the church that Paul planted and he's having to write a letter and say to them, knock it off. Like, like, it's not even about the pastor. It's not even about the preacher. You need to understand that I planted the church. Apollos is watering the church. But it's God who gives the increase. And so that's the context that Paul is writing into here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so he tells them in the midst of all this silliness, he says, listen, you all together. Somebody say together. together. You all together are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells in your midst. So he, he's trying to reconcile them back together. Now, I'm going to take this as an application for not just today, but I, next week is part two. I'm giving you part one today. But but he, I'm going to apply this now on a, on a deeply individual level. Because Paul was saying, we've got to come together to further the church. We've got to come together to make the church better. Now, in order... For us to make the church better, I have to do my part. Somebody say, my part. Now, I want you to say, my part is me. Okay? My part is me. So, so if the church is going to get better, you've got to get better. And, and your responsibility, first and foremost, is to take care of you what what is god calling you to do what what is god leading you into. And so we're going to really focus on these things. And and next week, there are three areas of health that I'm going to talk to you about. The first one being physical health, the second one being emotional health, and the last one being financial health. And I'm going I'm to hit that next week. But today, I can't even get there until I talk about today's subject. Because today's subject, none of that matters if you don't get this first thing right. And, and this is how strongly I feel about it. I, I initially started writing this sermon with, with all four of these things together. And I said, no, that's just not going to work. I got too much to say on this first thing. So today, what we are going to talk about is rest. Somebody say rest. All right, let me hit you with my sermon title now. My sermon title is Deeper Into Rest. Deeper Into Rest. Y'all tracking with me so far? Okay, let's talk about this. How do I go deeper into rest? And some of you, as I just say that, you're like, oh my God, we're going to talk about taking rest today. I mean, I, gotta, I got things to do. I don't have time to talk about rest. And that's exactly why we're going to talk about it. Because you need to make time for rest. So, so first, let me lay a foundation here. Let me read some scriptures to you. The first mention of rest, and I love going back to the very first mention of a word anytime in the Bible. It's called the first mention principle, and it always kind of gives you, it's like a launching point. Okay, where do we first hear about rest? Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. All the way back to the beginning, verses 26 through 27. I'll read the scriptures to you. Then God said, this is the sixth day of creation. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So on the sixth day, somebody said sixth day. God creates mankind. Now let's go to the seventh day. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So we read, on the seventh day of creation, God decided that it was time to rest from his work. Now, now, God didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was done. There's a difference between the two. God was done creating everything that he needed to create and he decided on the seventh day, now I am going to take a rest. Now, now here's the first thing you need to understand. What was the seventh day to God was the first day for mankind. What was the seventh day for God was the first day for Adam. So Adam's very first day here on this earth was a day of rest. Not, not, not the seventh day. That, that was God. Adam's very first day on this earth was a day of rest. So, so let's unpack this together. We start, this is my first note for you. We always start from a place of rest. We always start From a place of rest. Now, the Western culture has taken this idea of rest and it's flipped it on its head. Now, this is going to challenge us because we are living in this Western culture. We, this is the world in which we know, in which we grow up in, and yet this Bible is an ancient Eastern text. And so what you have to do is detox your Western culture and plug into the times and the customs of the Bible because you are not first a citizen of the United States of America. You are first a citizen of heaven. Can I get a better amen on that? And because we are citizens of heaven, we have to adopt the values and the culture and the norms of the kingdom of God. Because the Western culture will, will, will tell you that you don't get to rest. The Western culture will tell you that you take no days off. The Western culture will tell you that we are team no sleep. The Western culture will tell you that you don't get to rest at all. You know, if there's one thing that, that I hope normalizes as a result of this pandemic is that we don't show up to work sick anymore. I remember when you showed up to work sick. I mean, I grew up in the time, you know, when I was working in corporate. Like, if you had a cough, you came to work. If you had a fever, if it's mild, guess what? You come into work. I mean, you can. Th- we have toilets to throw up in in the restroom. You show up to work. Anybody else go grow up like that? That was me. And it was crazy, but, like, I remember one time waking up, and my eye was, like, red, and it was, like, bad. And so, you know, I emailed my program manager, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I just woke up, looked in the shower, and I'm like, I look hideous. There's no way I'm going to work like this. I got to go see an optometrist. And I was like, I can't make it in today. There's something wrong with my eye. They're like, well, can you still work? Yes, I can still work, but there's clearly something wrong with my eye. Well, can you work from home? Well, of course I'll work from home, but I got to go see my optometrist. And I remember going to see my optometrist. They um, They gave me antibiotics because there was something happening in my eye, and so I took the antibiotics. The antibiotics did what they were supposed to do, started clearing out all the redness. I remember going back to work the next day. Program manager looks at me, you look fine of course i look fine because i went to the optometrist to get the medicine that i needed to treat my eyes but that was the culture that i grew up in right and, and some of you know what i'm talking about and so i just hope that we never get back to that place man if you're sick stay home you know what i'm saying there's no reason you showing up sick making everyone else sick you know what i'm saying make productivity and profitability all go down anyway all i have to say is in the western culture we've got this idea that that you don't get to rest and we don't value rest so, so that's in direct conflict with the word of God. Because rest, not only do we see it all the way in the beginning of creation, but when God gave the Ten Commandments, somebody say the Ten Commandments. Rest was in there. Let me read them to you, okay? Here are the Ten Commandments. You tell me which ones you keep, okay? Do not have any other gods, okay? Do not use the Lord's name in vain. Some of you are like two for two. Keep the Sabbath day, which is a day of rest. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you to, I won't ask you to confess to that one yet. Number four, honor your parents. Can I get a good amen, mom and dad? Yeah. Let me get a better amen. Yeah. Honor your parents. All right. Number five, now we start getting real practical here, okay? Don't kill anybody. That's number five. <laughs> number six, don't cheat on your spouse. That's a good one. Number seven, don't steal. I like that one. Number eight, don't lie. Number nine, don't covet your neighbor's wife. And number 10, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Those are the Ten Commandments, and, and within the Ten Commandments is this concept that you need to rest. Now, you might say to yourself, oh, but Pastor Josh, that's the Old Testament, and we're not bound by the law anymore. I'm part of the New Testament church. Okay, so which, tell, me, tell me, which commandment have you decided because you're part of the New Testament church that you're not going to keep? Is it the one where you're not going to be faithful to your wife? because hey that's the old testament or let me maybe let me ask you this How, do you steal from your job because hey that's old testament old testament says don't steal i'm in the new testament church, so i steal from my job or or maybe this one you're going to start killing people because that's the old testament Of course not. Right. So when we look at this, we look at the other nine commandments and we're like, well, duh, of course not. Why? Because we have we have associated each of those things with as being morally wrong. It's morally wrong to cheat on your wife. It's morally wrong to kill someone. It's morally wrong to do those. But when it comes to rest, we just don't do the same, do we? Who needs to rest? I'll rest when I die. You ever heard anyone say that? I'll just rest when I die. And, and, and I think the reason why we are constantly violating this, this truth of rest is for two reasons. two reasons. Number one, we don't know why we should rest and we don't know how to rest. So I want to talk to you about the why we should rest. And then at the very end, I'm going to get a little into how we should rest. So, So what is the origin of the Sabbath? Because the Sabbath was given to us. The Ten Commandments came, and they were given to Israel in the wilderness after they had been redeemed, rescued by God from Egypt. Check the order, okay? After God had saved them from Egypt... Then they get the Ten Commandments. Pastor Rich Velotis has this incredible statement, and sometimes you just read something so good, you just got to put it on the screen and share it with everyone. He says this, the Ten Commandments were given not as a means of salvation, but as a result of salvation. That, that's important that you get that. The Ten Commandments came and they were given as a not as a means of salvation, but as a result of salvation. So the application here is that when the Ten Commandments were given to Israel, which includes this this truth and this principle about resting, it was saying this is what saved people look like. And really, this is how we should approach any sort of teaching that talks about what you should and shouldn't be doing with your life. You don't do these things to save you, but because you've been saved by the grace of God, here's a good way to live. You get what I'm saying? Because you've been redeemed by God, here's this way that you should live. Now, let's dive a little deeper into this. The Ten Commandments contain this, this concept of rest, and it was given to generations of people who their only identity was that of a slave. They were rescued from slavery in Egypt. As slaves, what did they do all the time? They worked. Well, what they did in Egypt was build the pyramids. What they did in Egypt was work. non. stop. And so you need to understand that as slaves, not only did they work all of their time, all of the time, but their identity was found in their work. Their identity as slaves was found in their work. Now, now does that sound familiar? Because what we do with little kids is, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? That's what we ask little kids. So what do you want to be when you grow up? And their response is fireman, right? Police officer, doctor, or something more noble, famous YouTuber. So it's like, <laughs> the psych- and, and notice, when you say, what do you want to be, they go right to a job. And they say, this is going to be my identity, Same cycle, different application. The identity of a slave was their work. And what we do now is we begin to identify with what we do as who we are. And so the reason that rest came in and was so well received, and I want you to get this, rest is a reminder of our identity. So when God tells them, you're going to have an entire day of rest, what he was saying is, you're no longer a slave. You are my son. You are my daughter. I rescued you from Egypt where all of your identity was work. And that's not who you are anymore. And we're going to have a day that's going to remind you that this day was a day that on any other day I would have been working. But because God has saved me, I don't work anymore. I rest now. Because rest reminds me of my identity. I've been saved by God. I have a new name, I have a new nature, I have, I have a new identity because Christ has redeemed me back unto himself. And this is why we must lean into rest more as people of God and children of God, because it reminds us all that you are not your identity, though you are a contractor, that's not your identity. You may be a nurse, but that's not your identity. You may be a receptionist, but that's not your identity. It's what you do, but it's not who you are. First and foremost, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You have a new nature. You've been redeemed by the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago. That's who you are. Bringing rest into your life is a reminder that my identity is found in him. The next thing about rest, rest precedes our work, and it's not the reward of it. As I said just a minute ago, Adam did not, work, uh, uh, did not work on the first day. He rested on the first day. Likewise, Sunday, the first day of the week, we come to the house of God and we dedicate this day and we bring it first to God. And when we do that, everything else we do for the remainder of the week is because we have prioritized time in the presence of God. And in the same way, Adam had rest preceding what he did. Worship precedes what we do. This is why it's so, this 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 um, teaching and this principle of the first is all throughout the Bible. That's why we bring our first ten percent to the house of God as tithe. It's the principle of first. That's why we come on a Sunday and we give God our worship because it's the first day of the week. We bring our first to God and we see him bless everything that remains. So rest comes from this place. Uh, rest comes from this understanding that I bring, him, I bring him my first. Let's go to Colossians 3, 23 through 24. It says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So so I love reading that in light of rest, in light of the principle of rest. Because what Paul is saying, after you have given God your first, when, when, when you have began by giving God your first, now when you go out to be a nurse, receptionist, contract, whatever it is that you're doing, now when you go out to do your job, You're doing it with all your heart, and you're doing it under God, and you're not doing it for your boss. That's why I believe the best employees in the marketplace should be Christians. You should not be the worst employee on your staff. If you are, tell them you don't come to Lighthouse Church. Tell them you go to some other church, all right? It's a terrible witness. But but when we give God the first... It then postures us for the rest of the week, doesn't it? When when you come here and you give God the first day of the week, your Monday ought to be better. Your Tuesday ought to be better because you gave God what was first. And so we work after we have received rest. Another thing here about rest. Rest is a reminder that our work is incomplete. Rest is a reminder that our work is incomplete. Sometimes you've got when you are on a rhythm of rest, you have got to stop and say, that's all that I can do right now. And I just have to stop and trust God with the rest there. When when I enter into a Sabbath time, when I enter into a time of rest, I will turn I I, I will turn off all notifications. I wish I could tell you I was strong enough to turn off my phone. God's still working on me. All right. (laughs) But but I'll silence those notifications, and and and, there's, and I'm not going to respond. Now, I'm not going to respond to that email. I'm not going to respond to that message. I'm just going to have to stop because now I have entered into a day of rest where, guess what? I'm not working anymore. But, Pastor Josh, it's for the church. I know, but it's work for me. So, so there's times when I have to shut everything down, even when it is incomplete. And here's the powerful truth of why you need to learn to rest even when, again, you know western culture you you rest when the job is done no no you rest because you have a lifestyle of rest as a christian because then you get to see psalm 127 2 come into play let's get one psalm 127 2 up it is vain for you to rise early come home late and work so hard for your food yes he can provide for those whom he loves even when they sleep The powerful truth about Sabbath and rest is that when you rest, God's not resting. When you rest, God's not sleeping. What the psalmist says is sometimes you've got to rest so that God can do his best work. Oftentimes, God's best work happens when we are done. Oftentimes, God does his best work when we have let it go and said, okay, God, I've taken this thing as far as I can possibly take it. Now it's time for you to take it. And how many know God can take the ball much further down the field than you can? How many know that God doesn't rest? So, so when the doctors say there's nothing that can be done, God's like, it's time for me to get to work. And let me do what the doctor said was, um, was impossible. Sometimes when you think, when, when the banker says, I'm sorry, you can't get that loan, you, you don't strive. You just rest. Turn it over to Jesus, and he will open up a supernatural door that no man can shut. Because while we rest, that's when God does his best work. When, 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 we, when we rest, that's when God gets to work doing the impossible. I mean, you do what you can But when it's time to rest, shut it down and trust that God is going to do what you can't do. Last thing about rest and the reasons why we rest. Rest brings us into his presence. Rest brings us into his presence. While you are working, you don't have a ton of time to be in his presence. At least I hope not. You're like performing surgery on someone and praying at the same time like, you need to concentrate in that moment, you know what I'm saying? How many of you ever met somebody that was so spiritual they made for a bad employee? <laughs> Everybody met anyone like that? Sometimes, you know, as a pastor, you counsel all sorts of people, all sorts. And they're, like, telling me, well, I just don't understand, pastor. This is what I was doing, and this is what I was doing. And my boss reprimanded me. And I'm thinking, I would have reprimanded you too. Like, you were praying when you were supposed to be helping a customer? I So, anyway. Anyway, so, so in periods of rest, because, again, now we are unplugged from our work, now it allows us to go into his presence. And if you don't take moments of rest, if you don't take times of rest, how are you going to find time for his presence? And so rest, when we have rested from our work, when we have rested from striving, when we have rested from doing all those things, this is how we can focus on presence. I'm going to hit you with a few right now. When you are present, number one, you are present to God. That's important. Here's another one real important. Present to others. Present to God's creation. And lastly, present to yourselves. This is why we must bring more rest into our lives. Let me give you one more quote from Pastor Rich. He says, Sabbath is not just rest from making things. It's rest from the need to make something of ourselves. Sometimes we're busy trying to make something of ourselves. Always trying and striving, trying to make something of ourselves. Let me say it this way. It's when we put the book down on how to be a better mom and we go start playing with our kids that we become the better mom. Sometimes you stop. Okay, I, I had time to read about being a better mom. Now I need to just go out and do it. It's like, how many of you ever been, like, on a trip? You know what I mean? You've gone somewhere, and you've seen someone that, you know, you might be, like, at the Grand Canyon, and they never put their phone down? Like, they're like, oh, just everything. Went on my road trip, I saw a lot of this. Oh, I'm thinking, like, wait a second, you were there, but you weren't there. Like, you were always on your phone. Like, you ne- you went to the Grand Canyon, you shared it with all of your 14 followers, but I mean, like... <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. <laughs> but you weren't there. You weren't present. And, and, and sometimes we're so busy showing off how good of a mom we are to other people that their kids are like, could you put the phone down and just spend time with me? So, so when you get into places of rest, what you are saying is, I am going to be present to God. I'm going to be present to my children. I'm going to be present to what God is doing in this world around me. Does that make sense? Now I'm going to come to a close... And um, let me just give you some practical how-tos. I'm going to go through this very quickly. So you're saying, okay, Pastor Josh, now I know why I need to rest. And again, next week, all of that stuff that I'm going to talk about next week is important. But if you don't get this, like this is the most important thing right here. You need to get this. Because as I've been unpacking this for myself, this has been truly one of the greatest things that has helped me in my life. It's is, is bringing more rest into my life. This wasn't on my notes, but I'm just going to be vulnerable and share it. Last year I was dealing with some crazy anxiety. I don't know where this stuff came from, but I would wake up in the middle of the night just sweating profusely and I'm like, what is going on with me? And and I remember, and and, and my heart was pacing and I'd wake up with so many things in my mind and I'm like, just dealing with anxiety and it came out of like nowhere. Like, why? What what happened? And, And And I remember sometimes I'd wake up and 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 I don't know if this ever happened to you, but it was like I'd get get up out of bed and I'm like, I'm like breathing heavy, and then I touch my bed, I'm like, oh my god, it's all wet, you know, just like from sweat. It's just like goodness, great, what is going on? And and I was really dealing with some anxiety, and it was really wearing me down. And um, I realized there was something that I needed to do. And I heard someone say something that I had heard it before, but it was like a light bulb that went off. And and I heard someone say gratitude and anxiety can't coexist. So you've got to live in a place of gratitude. So, so I, I started a new rhythm in 2022. I, I have a gratitude journal now amidst all the other things that I do in my life. And sometimes my wife thinks I'm crazy because I'll leave the door with like, I got my Bible. I got my creative journal. I've got my full focus planner. And then I added another, another big old binder, a gratitude journal. And every night I go before I go to bed, I write down the things that I'm grateful for. Because gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist. Maybe someone right here in this tent is suffering with anxiety. And and yes, God can break that supernaturally. And yes, we can lay hands on you and it can go. But you can also start taking some practical things into your own hands. And so I journal the things that I am grateful for. And I'm not dealing with that stuff no more because I'm reflecting back on all the things that God has done. And anxiety is gone so far so far so again that wasn't in my notes but but on the the topic of doing things practically now, now number one what can you do to rest more well you could bring the sabbath back into your life now i'm not here i'm doing my best to sabbath this is something that my wife and i we've talked about we want to get there you might be thinking a sabbath pastor josh what what exactly is a sabbath and i'm not in a seventh day event what are we talking about sabbath today pastor josh And I can just explain to you how I've heard from other people that are doing it. And though I don't do it to this discipline, I do bring in days where it's like, I'm not responding to your text. I'm I'm not working right now. I'm resting. Um, You know, they'll talk about how sundown on the night before, they will put their phones away. Phones don't come out for 24 hours. They don't work. They rest from all work, not just work, work, but like work around the house. I mean, it's like... Kids are happy, right? Chores aren't happening because, like, it's Sabbath. We're resting. We rest from our work. They'll pre-cook all their meals because even cooking a meal can be work. And so they enter into a 24-hour cycle of rest. That that's keeping the Sabbath, and 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 that's something that my wife and I would say. You know, this is an area we love to get to this place. And maybe you're there, and you can. And there's a lot of great materials out there on how you can keep the Sabbath. But keeping the Sabbath will help you. Rest. Another thing you can do is have intentional time for rest. Intentional. This, this is where I am now. I'll have very intentional moments for rest. I'll devote times of my day for rest. You can even put it on your calendar. That's one of the best things you can do. Put it on your calendar. I'm resting. I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to answer the email. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to focus on being present to God, present to my family, and present to others. And working parents, let me, let me talk to the men for just a second. Working parents, especially when we talk to the men, don't bring your work home with you. Don't bring your work home with you. I also heard it said, I forget who told me this. I thought it was great. It said, I bring my A game to work, but when I come home, I bring nothing. Guys, listen to me. Your A game is needed at home. You should be getting ready. Do what you've got to do when you leave your job. But when you get home, Get ready because it's your kids' A-game. They need the best version of their dad, not the scraps left over from giving your best to your boss. Your kids need your best. Working mom, that's for you too. Your kids need the best version of you. So if that means when you come home from work, you put a new rule in the house, phones go away from 5 to 9, whatever it looks like, just be intentional. It's not prescriptive. You've got to find what works for you. But be very intentional about rest, about I'm going to stop. I'm not going to give my boss the best of me and give my son what's left over. I'm going to find a way to make sure that when I get home, I'm giving my son my, de- my best because he needs his dad. Yeah. He-, he needs his father. I was at a funeral just this past Friday. Sudden death of someone who had just passed. He crushed it in the dad game. Went home and told my wife. I'm like, he was a stud. Like, like he crushed it in the dad. I was so inspired just to be a better dad. Because when you get to someone's funeral, guess what they didn't talk about? The long hours at work. I didn't hear any of that. No one talked about him crushing it on the project. But you know what I heard a whole lot of? This guy killed it at being a dad. It's incredible at being a dad. His children adored him. And I'm like, man, that's the type of legacy that I want to live in. And here's the last one. Unhurry your life. Unhurry your life. I'll never forget being so challenged by God by this. And this was in 2020. I remember writing it in my journal. I felt like God was saying, slow down, Josh. You're always like this. You're always go, go, go. Driving Joanne crazy. Driving your boys crazy. Slow it down. And, and part of that, again, was my previous corporate work ethic that I had not detoxed from about this constant need to strive and push and go and no breaks and, and no rest. But you've got to unhurry Your life on a very practical, again, very practical. Don't schedule back-to-back meetings in your day. Have a break between one meeting. Detox your mind. Process your thoughts. Get ready. Get ready for the next one. But don't fill every single line of your calendar with stuff to do. I I have a physical calendar, and I don't like to see I got a 12 o'clock and I got a 1 o'clock. That I don't like. I'll be like, yo, can I talk to you at 1.30? Because I need about 30 minutes. They call that white space. I need some white space in my life. That's also called margin. Unhurry your life. Quit butting up everything together so that you don't have time. If you got to be somewhere, leave early. I love that. I heard that from one of my favorite pastors. He said, if you got to be somewhere, it takes 50 minutes to get there. Leave your house 30 minutes in advance. Unhurry your life because you want to know what happens when you leave when you've got time. You notice things around you. You, like, actually notice what's happening in your community. You're actually noticing what's happening with people. But, but when you are constantly living in the red, you will burn out. Just rush, 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 rush. And it's not the lifestyle of Jesus. Most importantly, if you you look at the lifestyle of Jesus, what would he do after a powerful moment of ministry? Me and the disciples, we're going to go rest. Goodbye. <laughs> and he would leave. Master of the universe, right? He's like, he's the master of the world. He's like, I need to rest. And the Bible says he would go into a house and hide. <laughs> I'm in my Bible, by the way. He would hide from people. Why? Because he knew how important rest was. So Church, I hope that you will take this and I hope that you will grab this because there's three fatigues that we have got to push back on. Number one, the fatigue of your body. Number two, the fatigue of your mind. And number three, the fatigue of your soul. Uh, 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 the, again, not in my, sorry. I just got to get there. Recently, we learned about a pastor who had fallen into moral failure. And uh, this just happened a couple of, and it was like a punch in the gut. It's like, dude, not again. And and it it it, it shook me because it's like, this guy is incredible. He's doing so many incredible things for the kingdom of God. He's, he, look at all these incredible things he's producing. Look at all these lives being impacted. Look at it. It's the fastest growing church in the country. It's phenomenal. And then video comes out. You are at your worst when you are depleted. And you are most vulnerable to falling when you are depleted. When you are fatigued, that is when the devil has you exactly where he wants you. This is why we've got to rest. This is why we have to prioritize rest. Men, when you work so hard and you come home fatigued, your, your, your mind wanders and your eyes wander and your thoughts wander. And when you are fatigued, that is when you're at your most vulnerable. So we're going to push back against fatigue of body, push back against fatigue of the mind, and we're going to push back against the fatigue of the soul. How many could use some more rest in your life? Just be, just right now, just like, hey, you know what? The pastor, I didn't know I needed that today, but I need some more rest in my life. I want you to be intentional about it. I want you to go home and have a conversation with your spouse about it. Listen to me, married couples. Maybe this is exactly what you needed to kickstart a conversation at home that you know you needed to have, but you didn't want to have because you're just trying to sleep in the bed and not on the couch. But you do what you got to do, okay? You have this conversation with your wife and figure out how can we slow down our lives. This is the last thing. I've I've learned that God doesn't speak to you when you're hurried. He speaks to you when you slow down. There's a pace of grace, and it ain't fast. I said there's a pace of grace, and it ain't fast. There's a pace that Christ will speak to you in, and it is when you are unhurried. It is when you are resting in his presence. It is when you are making time to be with Jesus. That's when you're going to hear him. He ain't going to step into your life when you're running meeting for meeting like a chicken with your head cut off. Ain't got time for anybody. And Jesus is like, that's right. You don't even have time for me. But if you would slow it down, you would hear God speak. You would see God move. And I could use some more of that in 2022. Could you use more of that, Lighthouse Church? Come on, let's stand up on our feet. We're going to lean in and worship right now. But I want every hand raised that's able to. Come on, let's start making some commitments right now. I want you talking to your father right now. And have him tell you right now, Father, show me the areas of my life where I need to slow down. Father, show me the areas of my life where I am just running too fast. Show me the areas of my life where if I keep at this pace, I'm going to not only burn out, but I'm putting myself in danger of falling. Show me those places, God. Come on. Let's raise our hands as we worship. Come on. Let's worship in his presence. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.